This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, May 29th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. Chinese tech firm ZTE is getting a special deal thanks to the White House, and that benefit is challenging national security concerns. It's also providing a strong argument that the U.S. is a country that today doesn't want to play by well-established trading rules. Dan Eikenson directs trade policy studies at the Cato Institute. He comments. Amid all of this tough talk on China as a uh, not a honest tradesman when it comes to uh, trade in general, uh, with respect to national security uh, of of adopting or I should say sort of vacuuming out tech, U.S. technology and then ending partnerships and then they've got all this uh, tech, these technological uh, innovations that they can make use of uh, in China for export or for uh, military applications. Amid all of this. The president says, ZTE, I talked to President Xi, we're going to work something out uh, to get ZTE, the, the parts that it needs from the U.S. to build its technology. What was the state of the debate, the, the substantive debate, up, up, to this, up to that point when we learned that the president was going to make this push to carve out this exception for uh, apparently one company? Yeah, so this all has its origins in a U.S. case. The Trump administration brought a case against China under Section 301 of the Trade Act of 1974. And in that case, uh, they alleged that the Chinese were stealing U.S. intellectual property, compelling U.S. companies to share their technology as the price of uh, access to the markets, uh, and that China was engaging in industrial policies that violate th their WTO commitments uh, in, in an effort to sort of bolster their tech sector. Uh, most prominently, there's a program called Made in China 2025, uh, which the Chinese, frankly, have been fairly blatant about uh, uh, saying that they are going to do whatever it takes to leapfrog the United States to get to the technological fore. Now, they're perfectly entitled to pursue those kinds of policies. Uh, but if you don't want the United States to get uh, its dander up, uh, you should be <laughs> a little less um, uh, aggressive and assertive with your language. So uh, the, the company ZTE is one of these technology companies that has succeeded uh, under ch these Chinese policies, and it's been in the crosshairs of U.S. policymakers for a while. Uh, ZTE was found guilty of violating certain U.S. export control laws and, and selling components to the, the Iranians and the North Koreans and were fined handsomely by the U.S. government and were obligated under a settlement to fire their entire management and do a few, a few other things which they failed to do. So Trump decided that he was going to um, cut off ZTE's access to its vital components which are produced by U.S companies. And that was basically a death sentence for ZTE. So at the same time, Trump had uh, um, uh, uh, suggested he was going to impose 25% duties on $50 billion worth of imports from China. Then he wanted the Chinese to come to the negotiating table to avoid that. And the Chinese said, well, if we're going to even talk to you about this, we need to do something about ZTE. You can't uh, you know, put ZTE in a coffin. Uh, it's an important company to us. So all of the assertions about ZTE, that it was a potential threat to U.S. national security, that it was a bad actor, all of a sudden was in play for these negotiations. And Trump said, OK, we will uh, give ZTE another lease on life. 
uh, to, uh, provided that the Chinese purchase, you know, X billions of dollars worth of U.S. products. And uh, that's kind of where we are right now, except Congress has gotten exercised about this, particularly Marco Rubio, uh, but Democrats as well, saying, look, pres- the president is, is, is playing um, games with our national security, and we need to do something. And Congress seems to be acting to try to prevent uh, this um, lightening up on, on ZTE. They, they, they want ZTE uh, to be put away. So that's where we are now. Trump this morning said, okay, you know what? We're going to reimpose these, these, um, these tariffs. He had said you know, that the trade war was put on hold a couple weeks ago. Now the trade war is back on. They plan to impose 25% duties on $50 billion worth of Chinese uh, imports from China. China's going to retaliate. Uh, but it seems that Trump was trying to suggest to Congress, okay, I'm going to play tough with the Chinese, but Congress doesn't want these tariffs. <laughs> they, they, they want something done about ZTE. And, uh, and, and so Trump doesn't seem to have any real consistent clue as to what he wants, what he should be pursuing, or, or how to resolve these issues right now. So as a result, uh, everything's topsy-turvy, and we're, we're prone to 180-degree shifts in trade policy tack, and that is just not a good place for the global economy to be. So tariffs are taxes, and the extent to which you are carving out exceptions for uh, very specific companies, ZTE is not the only one, but to the extent that you're carving out these very specific exceptions in the face of claims that that some of these companies are involved in uh, problematic uh, national security issues, um, that seems like a really big problem if you care about uh, treating uh, trade or the, the broad range of goods and services that are imported and exported among countries if you want them to be treated equitably. Yes. Uh, tariffs are a terrible idea. Um, there's, it's, it's, it's been unclear to me and to most analysts from the outset why slapping duties on imports from China uh, is in any way responsive to the, the sources of the problems that are identified as the predicate. The problems, as we see them, are this, these industrial policies that the Chinese have uh, that are um, discriminating against Western and U.S. companies in particular, and that are promoting um, the uh, through subs- massive subsidies Chinese companies. And if that's the issue, we need to have some other sort of a negotiation. We need to negotiate restraints. We need to negotiate a bilateral investment treaty, which has been pending for years, or we need to really think about negotiating a bilateral free trade agreement. People laugh about that, but we have a list of gripes about the Chinese. They have a list of gripes about our practices. To me, that means we should be sitting down at a table to put in writing uh, new commitments by the governments of both countries to do a better job and and liberalize trade. We, We also need to stop treating every Chinese action as an affront, uh, you know, to, to U.S. hegemony. I mean, the, the Chinese are going to act in their own best interest. So we need to make sure that uh, we um, encourage policies that puts their best interest in our best interest as well. So tariffs are clearly not the way to go. And uh, it's going to hurt not just Americans and Chinese, but people throughout the global economy because supply chains, many of them run through China. So a tax on imports from China hurts U.S. consumers and Japanese and Brazilian and Australian producers. How do we best take seriously 
concerns of intellectual property theft to the extent that we care about intellectual property as an issue in general. And uh, I obviously pretty skeptical of that in general. But how do we take those concerns seriously? How do we take national security concerns seriously and still promote vibrant, broad trade? Yeah, that's, uh, that is the $64,000 question. We need to recognize uh, that trade is, 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 is mutually beneficial, um, that intellectual property Look, we can we can debate whether you consider that to be a a, a a property that is entitled to protection or not. I happen to think it is, but it's a matter of degree. Um, under the World Trade Organization rules, we have something called uh, the TRIPS Agreement, trade-related aspects of intellectual property, which provides fairly bare, bare minimum standards for governments to have intellectual property laws and to enforce them. It doesn't say much about how rigorous they need to be or how rigorously enforced they need to be, just that they have these provisions. What we should be doing and what we've failed to do is use the World Trade Organization's dispute settlement mechanism more effectively. Uh, there's a narrative that has taken hold in Washington, which I think is false, uh, that the WTO cannot rein in China's wayward behavior. Well, probably some things that China is doing cannot uh, are not subject to WTO disciplines. Uh, but where we have brought cases in the past, and the world has brought about 40 cases against China, uh, where China has lost on the merits, they have done uh, a good job of coming into compliance. Uh, we've written about that. Jim Backus, Simon Lester here, we've written about China's compliance on these matters. And to just write off the WTO and therefore go unilateral as we are doing with these Section 301 tariffs uh, is to make ourselves the international scoff laws. We are out of uh, compliance with the WTO uh, rules when we do this. And we are making enemies uh, much faster <laughs> than we should be. The best way to rein in China and to uh, encourage them to play by the rules is to go arm, you know, in arms uh, lock with the Japanese and the Europeans and the Koreans and others to say, look, you need to play by the rules and you need to do things the way uh, we were not just abide the, the letter of the law, but the spirit of, of, of those agreements. And instead, we've hit our allies with steel and aluminum tariffs. We pulled ourselves out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. We uh, yell from the mountaintops uh, how important America first policies are. So to me, we are on the wrong uh, trajectory and doing it entirely uh, incorrectly, and we need uh, a reset button here. Dan Eikenson directs the Herbert A. Stiefel Center for Trade Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>